I don't have anything left to give or I'm not good at this. You know, you get these moments of self-doubt of like, why am I even doing this? Like, I'm not good at this. And then you have these people that are like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) And for all these reasons, you need to keep going. Like you're on the right path. And, and so those moments where you decide like, okay, I want to lean on them for a minute while I'm having a little bit of self-doubt. And then you get back on and you keep moving forward. And then you look back and you're like, I did that. there. Welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited because today we have Val Lasvardi on the line with us today. Val, I found you through Lifting Lindsay's podcast, and so I'm a a semi-new follower to your page, and I knew we wanted to talk to you, but in the past like week or so, you just kept saying things on your Instagram that I was like, (laughs) yes, 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 yes. So (laughs) welcome to the show. We want to talk to you now. Well, thanks. Here we are. Yeah. You, you sent me a DM and you're like, you're saying some good things. I want to talk to you. You want to do a podcast? I was like, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I feel like all three of us are kindred spirits too, just from what I've seen. So I'm excited for this, but why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you? How did you get into the whole fitness thing? All right. Well, I am a married mother of three. I've got three boys. I am an IFBB bikini pro and I started into fitness. Well, I've always been active, but I started into fitness really in 2016. That's when I got into it. My husband talked me into doing a bodybuilding competition. So for me, it was bikini Ah. and I had no idea what was going on at the time. So that's how I started. I I wouldn't recommend people getting into (laughs) fitness the way I did, but it turned out like It was an okay experience for me. I had a great time when I got on the stage and decided I wanted to do more of it and realized I needed, you know, to build muscle. And I liked that experience of training hard and learning to be better with that. And in the process, my coach at the time thought I would be a really good coach myself. And he asked to mentor me. So that's how I got into coaching is through my first coach. He mentored me. And then from there, I took certifications and have had lots of mentorships to get me to where I am. So yeah, that's kind of a real quick Reader's Digest version of (laughs) where what got me to where I am now. Really cool. So how many shows have you done now? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's around like 13 shows that I've done. Wow. Um, Yeah, I know it's a little over 10. I would have to double check. But 2018 was the big year where I did quite a few shows back to back to back. I think I did five shows that year, ending in the culmination of earning my pro card. That was the year that I earned that, you know, coveted bikini pro card. (laughs) And then it was at that time when the judges said to me, you know, everything is good. We just want more more everything, mm. more bigger. <laughs> and so, more bigger. Yeah. So I took a little bit of an improvement season 
and then went into 2019 and competed a couple times on the pro level and realized, yes, what the judges said was actually really correct. I needed to take more time to build. And so from there, I ended up taking two years for an improvement season, off season, building season, whatever you want to call it. And during that time, there was a few cuts that I had and I was at maintenance, but I never went into anything aggressive and just took the time to slowly add on weight and put about 25 pounds on over that time. Mm -hmm. 25 pounds. I can hear some people losing their minds right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, like you were telling me just last year, you put on 20 pounds and that was in Mm -hmm. one year. I did it in 25 and two years. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's it, what's more crazy. Maybe they're both crazy. <laughs> We're probably both crazy. I think let's, you have to be a little crazy to to be okay with the muscle building process. <laughs> yes, and patient. So yes, let's talk about that because I don't. I mean, we've said it a million times. It takes a long time. You got to be patient, and then of course all the things that have to be in place in order to actually build muscle. But like. What is realistic expectations for putting on muscle? A long time, yes, but like how long? I okay, so what I've seen from practical experience of working with clients is every everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And genetics, we always talk about genetics. There's always genetics there. But then you have to look at what are you willing to tolerate from a growth perspective? Like are you okay with growing out of your clothes? Like is that something that's going to cause you excitement or distress and how, and are you willing to make that aggressive of a move in order to do that? And then you have to look at like, is this enjoyable for you? Are you having a fun experience? If it's not fun, then it might be a good time to adjust course. All, well, I guess the other thing too, is like you look at research. So research will say there's like so much muscle you can build per year on average based on, you know, studies and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's really hard to say that you can expect to put on X amount of muscle in a certain time frame because there's just so many variables that come into that. And even if you're using things like a DEXA body or you're using an in-body um, scanner to track muscle growth and things the like it's lean tissue that is tracking and not necessarily like muscle and lean tissue also includes your vital organs. And it did you train the day before? So you're more inflamed and holding on to water. Like there's just all these little nuances that come into how much muscle can you reasonably expect to put on in this amount of time. So I feel like mm-hmm. as much as people want to say, I want to put on two pounds of muscle in the next six months. Can you do it? We'll give it a shot. What's holding you back? Like give it a shot, see what happens and use your data points, the things you use to track your data to see if you, if you can do that. And if you don't, that's okay. You had that goal and then you can move from there. But yeah, I wish, I wish it was as easy as saying, okay, yeah, if you are consistent and you do this, you know, you do this program, you eat 250 calories over your maintenance macros that you can expect, you know, with 90% certainty to put on (laughs) this amount of muscle in this amount of time. But it really is just like a a lifelong journey. As long as you're having fun, you just keep it. I love that you mentioned like the enjoyment part, because I think that that's where a lot of people 
struggle is they feel like they have to do it. So oftentimes they will be doing the hard work and it might not necessarily be something that they do enjoy. They just want to grind it out, which like I did one show and that was in 2018. And I'm like, I am not cut out for this for the long term. It was like a bucket list item. Yeah. But the difference was, is like, I enjoyed the process up until like six weeks out. And then I'm like, Ooh, okay. (laughs) This isn't fun for me anymore. (laughs) Done with that. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you. I'm not going to say I'm never going to compete again, but it's just not on my list. But I really like that you brought up that topic of enjoyment and that everybody's different and that genetics do play a role in in it to a degree. Because I know a lot of the times people, what they see on Instagram, they don't see things like maybe someone who is genetically gifted to be able to build muscle or lose body fat. And so I think it's really, really helpful, even just for me as a coach to hear it like from you that it's about more enjoyment. Like, I think that it, you really do have to enjoy what you're doing in order to be successful at it. Yeah. And I think there are ways to find enjoyment in mm-hmm. the things that you have to do to get to your goal. Like we've talked about this before, Brooke, you know, Brooke's a, a pole dancer and a pole fitness instructor. And so I know, right? She's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. I, I've been looking at it. There's actually just a studio down the road. And I thought that looks like so much fun. It would probably help give me some more flexibility with my back for, for bikini posing. So anyway, I'll have to talk to you about that. I got you. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then like, for me, like the thing that I like is bodybuilding and hiking. And there are things that we all have to do to be good at that. But we've also find ways to enjoy those things that we have to do. And I think, you know, we were talking about building before we recorded Val. And I think a lot of it has to do with the attitude we choose to have about it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Anything can be an absolute drag if we allow it to be. And like, I'm sure gaining 25 pounds was not your most favorite, sparkly, amazing thing in the world, right? Exactly. It was not. I. It was very, very challenging, but you're spot on with the attitude. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing things that are hard. I mean, how how can we grow if we're not, you know, challenging ourselves? And so that is really good, but to a point and you, whatever mm-hmm. that point is, you have to figure out that fine line. If it's something where it becomes a a burden on everybody else and you're complaining all the time and all you can, you know, it's just like, I can't, I can't, I can't negative, negative, negative. Then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well maybe it's time to change and figure out something else or do things a little bit differently, but 100%, like there's nothing wrong with doing things that are challenging. I, I think everybody should do things, do the hard things. They, they create more resilience and more confidence, you know, all the, all the good things that come from that. So, Yeah. Totally agree. So one of the things that you said recently, you were talking on your stories about the atmosphere and having a circle of people around you that cheer you on and support you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that is so huge. Yes. I think that when you are doing something challenging, when you're going toward a big goal, you're going to have self-doubt. You're going to have these moments of struggle. And having your your team your close group of friends 
that is there to support you to also provide some, you know, crucial feedback to make sure that you're staying on track. Cause sometimes we can become so, um, in our heads that it's hard for us to really see objectively, like what's going Mm -hmm. on that, like that team, that group can help you to push beyond when there's those days or there's moments where you are, are like, I don't have anything left to give, or I'm not good at this. You know, you get these moments of self-doubt of like, why am I even doing this? Like, I'm not good at this. And then you have these people that are like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And for all these reasons, you need to keep going. Like you're on the right path. And, and so those moments where you decide like, okay, I want to lean on them for a minute while I'm having a little bit of self-doubt. And then you get back on and you keep moving forward. And then you look back and you're like, I did that. That was so hard. And I felt like I wanted to give up. But because of these people helping me to see my potential, I was able to push through and keep moving forward. And it's a really cool experience to have that and to be able to look back and be like, I mean, there, you know, there's moments where, you know, in the building times and having some voices of self-doubt of people that I really looked up to and respected, that really made me question whether or not that this was for me, you know, like I didn't have the genetics and these different things. And it's like, well, maybe I don't, but I have these other people over here that are telling me I can do this. And so I kind of want to, like, I still want to pursue this goal. And I have these really these people that really believe in me and I want to listen to these positive voices and keep pushing forward. Like I'm not done yet. I want to keep seeing if I, you know, if I can achieve what I want to do. So that close group of of friends that believes in you, whether it's in a physique realm or if it's, you know, in an entrepreneurship type of situation or you're on a mountain climbing, (laughs) um, you know, whatever my experience that you might be going through doesn't have to be fitness related. Having that tight knit group of people makes a world of impact when you are feeling self-doubt. That's so true. I mean, I think too many people think it's a journey that they have to take alone when in reality, just building a strong support system to lean on in the times that you need it is actually very crucial. I work with like mainly general population clients and the amount of times that I hear that they don't have much support, you know what it looks like when you're working with someone with a lot of support versus not very much. And it's such an important thing to have when you're embarking either on a fitness journey or you have like a sport specific goal or a business related goal or even just personal goals. It's so important to have positive people around you because they're going to help fill up your, I call it your love cup. They're going to help you fill up your love cup and recognize that you can do this. You can, you know, they're going to give you the positive voices versus the negative voices of you can't do this. So I love that you brought that up because a support system is so important for anybody that's trying to reach a goal. That's so, yeah, it really, really is. And sure, you could do it by yourself. And we see those, you know, very inspirational stories of people who still push, even though they've got, you know, everybody around them telling them to quit. But but when you can, when you can find those people, you, like your people, it's it's priceless. It's amazing. 
So how would you suggest that somebody go about doing that? Because like I'm thinking of like me three years ago when I moved to a different state and I didn't know anybody and I have some online friends now who are into the same, like Brooke, who are into the same stuff I'm into and like my cheerleaders and my tough love givers when I need it. But how do you, how do you find that if you're, you know, you don't have it right now? Maybe you're a mom and you're just kind of doing the mom thing and you don't really have the time or energy to like go put yourself out there. Well, if it's important, then you'll make it a priority. And so, mm. you know, even being a young mom, if that's important to you, you'll put yourself in situations where you can meet these type of people you're looking for. So it might be like, I know lots of people have a hard time with social media and they see there's a lot of, you know, negatives that can come from it. But all I see from it, from my experience of being on it for, (laughs) I started back on the Instagram back in like 2009 and I (laughs) had, so it's, I've been on forever and just the, content that I choose to consume has been very positive and uplifting. And, you know, back in the day, I had a little Etsy account and I was selling baby blankets and I wanted to get my name out there. And so again, back in like 2009, there was this company called Freshly Picked and they had these little baby moccasins and they're just a local here out of Utah, but they have exploded. They're this woman is huge. And I, I saw her potential. And so I reached out to her and I did these giveaways And even though, again, like a young mom, this was important to me of trying to get out there and be a positive influence in the mom space. So I just made it happen. And so likewise, if you're wanting to find the friends in the fitness world, or if you're, if you're a runner, like whatever type of thing you like to do, like put yourself in situations where you can meet those type of like-minded people that you can learn from, that you can talk to, that you can you know, all the different things with, and eventually you'll find your people. And that's the cool part about it. Yeah. And I would say too, like you won't find them right away. I'm thinking of me like six or seven years ago, I was in just a really terrible toxic fitness group and it didn't work and it was not good. And I only realized how not good it was really when I finally left. But while I was there, like there were some things like I knew this just isn't good But then you leave and you find your people. (laughs) You find the ones that are your people. And it's sometimes it's just trial and error. And there's really, there's nothing wrong with trial and error. I think people shy away from it just a smidge too much when really it's, it's a huge growing experience because you find out who you are. Like you said, at the time, we're all doing our best that we can with the knowledge and experience we have at the time. So you were in this experience six or seven years ago and you left it and you look back and you're like, oh, wow, like it actually wasn't that great for me, but now I know better. And so I can look for these type of characteristics or qualities and friends or, you know, people that can help me to become my best version of myself. And who knows, you know, five or six years from now, you'll still be like, having the same knit group, tight knit group of people, but maybe you guys have all evolved together in some amazing way. And, you know, cause we're all just constantly, like, we're all just constantly learning and trying to become better. We just are. And so, yeah, putting yourself out there, it can be hard for people to do that. It requires confidence and that can be a struggle. And I've seen that with my clients that there are some who are very, 
you know, they like to train from home because they're afraid of going to a gym environment and they feel like they don't belong. And that it breaks my heart because I want everybody to feel that confidence that they should take up space wherever they want to go. They should feel like that's an environment that they're welcome in. And that is something that some people are like born with. And then some people can learn, but it's definitely not something that is like, everybody can do it. Like, it's not something that we're not impossible. Yeah. It's not impossible. That's the word. I'm like, what am I trying to say here? (laughs) So it's like, it can happen. And sometimes you just need like one person, like one person that's like, you got this. And then it just changes the whole attitude about all that stuff. Yeah. I think confident you're right on the money with confidence. And I, and it also requires vulnerability, you know, being able to be vulnerable enough to, you know, get to know people and let people in. So you can determine whether or not this is a positive influence in your life or a negative influence in your life or a neutral influence in your life. So that's such a good answer. And I think the way you become more confident is to also make sure that you do expose a little bit of vulnerability in order to meet your people. Yes. And it's, it's okay to fail. Like you mentioned, Iris, like it's okay to fail and we all do it in a million ways. (laughs) Exactly. We're not like consciously trying to fail. We always embark on a new journey with the purpose of being successful, but inevitably there's going to be things we, we fail at. And so that through those failures, I think it can help increase your confidence because you're like, Oh, I did that last time. So I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to try this route. But again, it's with the attitude. It's like all these little things that all come together. It's like, if you look at a failure and you have an attitude of like, okay, now I know what doesn't work. I'm going to try something else. Or you can look at it and be like, oh, I failed. I'm the worst person in the world. I'm never going to do this ever again. You know, (laughs) so it's like this attitude thing that comes into play. (laughs) So true. Everything kind of connects mindset wise. And that translates physically too. So the more interconnected you are, the more confident you are, that also translates into, you know, physically reaching your goal as well, being confident enough to show up at the gym or being confident enough to, you know, do an exercise for the first time, like a deadlift or a squat. Like, I just think that that's so valuable. Mm -hmm. One of the things also that you said recently, and I think this goes back to the attitude too, is that I feel fluffy. (laughs) I just feel fluffy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about that for a minute because oh. I, we hear it all the time. I feel fluffy. What do I do? How could I not oh, feel like, fluffy? Yes. All like all the time. And it's funny because I had talked about that and then did client check-ins like four or five hours later and straight up had a client say that to me <laughs> this week. I felt fluffy. And I just, I was like, LOL. Have you seen my stories today? <laughs> Homework. Go watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's this interesting mindset that we as I don't know if men feel fluffy as much, but definitely women. <laughs> I think they just say they feel fat where we're more like less sinister about it. We don't want to <laughs> say it, but we all know what we mean. <laughs> it's like we feel fluffy or squishy or whatever, yeah. but squishy. <laughs> I yeah. love it. <laughs> Cuz I said like I feel like fluffy is a state of mind. It's something where if you ask somebody, "Do I look fluffy today?" they're going to be like, "Um, 
what what does that mean? You think you're a stuffed animal? Like, are you a squid? Like a soft blankie? Like, no, you're not fluffy. <laughs> so, um, it's just this type of perception that we put upon ourselves after a vacation when we come back and we like step on the scale and then immediately like ah the our weight's up or whatever and it's like okay well let's just be logical about what's going on like you gotta. And sometimes you need like, that's where, you know, a coach comes in and a coach can be like, okay, it's your premenstrual this week, or you went out to dinner with your husband on, you know, last night, or you were just on vacation or your child was sick. And so you weren't getting very much sleep for the last four or five days. And so you have more inflammation or you're in a really high intense training program right now. And that's causing this, you know, a lot of inflammation in your body. Like, there's all these different things that could contribute to this like fluffy feeling. But at the end of the day, if you just kind of start to tell yourself when you think those things, it's like you have to be really aware of those thoughts that you're thinking to yourself. When you say fluffy, you like, like, nope, not like I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to call myself fluffy. Everything is fine. Give myself 24, 48 hours, whatever it might be and then make a better assessment once I'm in a better mindset. But yeah, that I love the fluffy. I'm like, (laughs) we're not fluffy. (laughs) Maybe our hair might get fluffy after we've (laughs) blow dried it, but that's about it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've used the word fluffy. I've I've used it. (laughs) Can't deny it. I think we all have. I I have too. <laughs> it's just catching ourselves when we find ourselves on that rabbit trail of like, mm-hmm. I feel this way. Now I have to do all these things to fix it immediately instead of stepping back for a minute, coming back down to earth and seeing what's actually going on. Like you said, all those physical responses. We had a whole podcast episode talking about all the effects of being in a calorie deficit, especially a longer one. It sucks the longer you're in it. And it sucks Uh because your body's trying to protect you. It's just a thing. It's not like this evil out to get you. It's just your body is functioning the way it's supposed to function when certain things happen. And I think remembering that is super important when we are in those moments when when we feel fluffy. It's just, okay, maybe we're bloated. Okay. Yeah, that's not a reason to cut calories or to do anything like that. Because this cute client of mine, she's like, so are we going to reduce my calories? And I I said, why would we do that? And I just like waited for her response. (laughs) I was like, like, no, (laughs) we're not not just going to, you know, make this knee jerk reaction based on a temporary feeling because we stepped on the scale this morning for check ins and we're, we're wishing for something that wasn't happening But again, like you go and look at the week in review and like there were these different things that happened. And it's like, well, yeah, that's okay. The scale can be up one, like one pound of scale increase weight in the course of a week. Just like, that's just like natural fluctuations. And even a few weeks ago, because I do like to track my weight every week. I am, you know, bikini competitor (laughs) in the off season trying to make these really gains. And so I track... And a few weeks ago, my weight fluctuated within four pounds. Like one day it was up a couple pounds and another couple pounds and it came down a pound. And so it was like this four pound weight fluctuation range over the course of like seven, it was like seven days. And for some people that would like totally terrify them. But Mm -hmm. 
that's just like the natural ebbs and flow of your body based on a million things. <laughs> yeah. Just on being normal. Like you're just like living <laughs> life and that's normal. Mm-hmm. So it's not any, you know, it's not a defining factor of who I am or making adjustments to my nutrition or anything, but it could, it was a good reminder of like, uh, you probably need to get more than six hours of sleep next week because you're not getting enough sleep here. (laughs) It's all just data. It's all just data. Exactly. Look at it all in context to all the other data. And then you have a, a clearer picture. And like you mentioned, even on the flip side, when you're in fat loss, it's the same thing your body's responding normally to higher stress you're putting on it. And if you are stressing about not seeing results fast enough and your body's already stressed because you're in a diet, you're adding more stress to the stress and making it even making it even harder. (laughs) Sometimes like you're your own worst enemy when it comes to that stuff. And so it's like this patience. It's like you're checking the boxes, you're being consistent just keep moving forward. And as much as we all want super quick weight loss as fast as possible, where we never get hungry. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Not yeah, being hungry. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say. Tell me, tell me where that happens and I will be there. I'll be the first one to sign up. <laughs> it's a struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that. Yeah. It all just, it all just goes back to attitude again. You know, you're focusing on the actions that will take you where you want to go and the positives there. So I have a post pulled up from you where you were talking about in four years, you gained 16 pounds, both pictures of you on stage shredded. You look incredible. That's a 16 pound difference. Stage. So yeah. it's stage pictures. Stage lean 16 yep. pounds, not like, after a build, you gain 16 pounds and you're fluffy. <laughs> Let's talk about that because I think one of the hardest things for people to accept, especially I'd say a lot of women, is that if you want to gain, you have to gain. You cannot expect to gain without gaining. <laughs> if you want muscle, you got to put on weight. So how? what would you say to somebody who... And again, of course, this goes back to like, what do you actually want? You don't have to do it if you don't want to. But if somebody really wants to gain and they're really having a hard time with putting on weight, what would you say? Focus on the look, not the scale. Uh? Focus on the look. What is it that you're trying to achieve? And just use the scale as data or don't like don't use the scale for data. But you definitely want some sort of tracking metric to make sure that you're on the right path. Because when you are gaining, you want to, I mean, you will gain body fat. It's inevitable that body fat is going to come along with it. It just, there's, there's no way around that, but trying to minimize the body fat while gaining muscle is, you know, the ultimate goal. And so the, the big, two big things I like to use is your waist circumference measurement and then photos. Mm -hmm. You know, like the photos don't lie unless you are sucking in your stomach on your check-in photos, then they could lie. We can tell. (laughs) We've all done it. We can tell. (laughs) I know. And you see those check-in photos, you're like, I see a rib cage. I don't know if that's normal. (laughs) But yeah, those, like those two things will help you, you know, determine like, am I putting on weight too quickly? 
you know, cause at, at the waist, you want to try to maintain that waist while you're building your legs, or, you know, if you want to do your shoulders or whatever it might be, are you growing out of your clothing? That's like another good thing. Like, are your shirts getting tighter? You know, are your biceps getting bigger? Can you not pull your pants up? I love that you said good thing. You're growing out of your clothes. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, like my husband lately was like, you've got to stop growing your upper body. And I'm like, maybe you're right. Maybe finally I'll listen to you about the upper body stuff, but no, the lower body. No, I still want to (laughs) grow out of everything. That's fair. (laughs) So, you know, it's one of those things you go to put your pants on it doesn't go over your glutes. And if, you know, glute growth is a goal and you can't pull your pants over your glutes, then that's probably a good sign that they're, they're building, you know, so focus on the look not the scale, I think is really, really helpful because at the end of the day, for quite a few people, that look that you're going for is actually going to be a higher scale weight than what you are Mm -hmm. in in the moment. And, you know, I, I, and I've seen that personally and with, you know, several clients of mine and friends and all that as well. Mm Yeah, you can't be married to that clothing size either, just like you can't be married to a number on the scale. Not to mention they're so inconsistent from brand to brand. They're so yes. it's ridiculous. Oh. They're so inconsistent from the same brand. Like I <laughs> I'm on the never-ending hunt for slacks. If you follow me on Instagram, you know this because <laughs> I just can't find any that fit me right. But I I was trying on same size, two different colors fit me completely differently. It's just you cannot you cannot put so much stock into that. Yeah. Find clothing that you like and fits comfortably. Don't try to cinch things up. So yeah. It's like, <laughs> why do you want to be uncomfortable? Like just wear clothes that feel good and that make you feel good too. Yeah. They're supposed to fit you, not the other way around. <laughs> yes. You don't need to squeeze into anything just because it says a certain size number or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like just, mm-hmm. just get it to fit. But that can be the struggle, like you mentioned, trying to find pants that fit. That is that is a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the right ratios. Mm-hmm. That picture that I was referencing, 16 pounds up, you were stage lean. And one of the things I really like about you is that you're very open that that's not sustainable. And I think people have the misconception that anything other than completely ripped and shredded is fat, when that's not the case. There's a big range of a healthy body fat percentage. So can you talk about that as someone who, for sport, gets down to that ridiculous level of shred that we can only dream about? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> It's hard and it really isn't sustainable. Once you get to that point, as much as you think, you know, like, oh, I love the vascularity. I love seeing the striations in my delts, whatever it might be. You can't live in a calorie deficit forever. And so if you, you know, going and seeing those photos of people, it's fun to see. And I've mentioned this quite a bit when I'm that lean, or if you happen to go on a journey of contest prep or whatever to get super shredded, take so many pictures and videos. So you have all these memories of that experience because in the moment you don't really appreciate yourself for, for what you are. I call it like prep goggles. You have these prep goggles on, you don't think you're lean enough. You need to be more shredded, all these different things that go through your head. It's like, it's wild, the change in your 
brain that happens when you get to those levels. But, and then you come out and you have to be realistic, like, okay, I'm here for a short time, I'm visiting, and then I got to get out so I can get back to a healthy state because those low body fat levels, like it's, it's not healthy in the slightest. Mm -hmm. And so see the pictures, be excited for the people that do it, be excited for yourself when you do it, and then find what is sustainable that you can maintain. And that's going to include some body fat and Mm -hmm. everybody holds body fat differently. For me, I have cellulite, like on the outside of my thighs and that's normal. Like I have it right now. And then I, my waist just tends to get thicker. I put on a lot of body fat in my midsection as well. And so I have more love handles as people might want to call them, but that's just, that's my normal. Like this is my normal. And years ago, you know, when I first started getting into the fitness thing, 2016 ish. And after that first time that I prepped, it kind of bothered me, but I've learned to, to realize like this, this is me, this is the way I am. I can't change that. This is the way my body naturally puts on body fat. This is where my body's happiest when I'm eating the most food. And this is what's sustainable and where I can live like a happy, fulfilled life. But if I'm constantly trying to chase a certain waist circumference measurement, like, you know, things that I get to when I'm at contest or stage lean, I will not be happy. I won't be fulfilled. And I will be constantly chasing that. It will just be this like nonstop, never satisfied because I won't, that's just not something that I'd be able to maintain. Like, I just know that now. So I know what's realistic for me and I'm very, very happy with what I can do based on what my body will allow me to do. And I always take that moment of appreciating myself. Mm -hmm. Like, does that make sense? Like having gratitude for this healthy body where I can push it to extremes, but I don't take advantage of it Mm -hmm. because I I'm like, this is a body I have to live with for the rest of my life. And I don't want to treat it terribly. I mean, I, in a way you do when you're prepping, you, you do as best as you can on the prep <laughs> stuff, but finding, finding that balance as a competitor is um, it can be hard, but then, you know, the lifestyle clients who constantly want to diet or are trying to lose those last five pounds, is it worth it, mm-hmm. you know, to lose, to try to be five pounds leaner? Or what if you can live your, your best life at this place where you're at right now, not five pounds less, you can eat your food. You don't have to stress as much. You're not feeling like you're in a diet mindset and you can just thrive. Mm. Those are like the things that I came to, to realize in my first couple of years of competing of like, if I want to continue to do this and be as healthy as I possibly can, I can't be this lean all the time. It's just physically impossible. I've had, this is my happy place. This is where I feel best. This is where I'm thriving and I can go and I can visit these low levels when I compete. And then I just come back and I live my life over here. I love that. I love your mindset. I love your mindset about that because I think when I work with lifestyle clients and they're constantly in like a calorie deficit, one thing that I hear all the time is, well, I just want abs. And I think that (laughs) Val's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> exactly. And and that's something that I have to ask people. I said, okay, are, are you willing to make the sacrifice in order to have abs? And they're like, well, what do I have to sacrifice? And it's like, 
you have to be in a deficit. You are sacrificing, you know, sometimes social events. You're sacrificing foods that you enjoy most of the time. Like, are you willing to sacrifice multiple factors of your life in order to have abs? Because nobody gives a fuck whether you have abs or not, except for you. You know, or like judges, you know, of course, like if you're competing, that's that's different. But if it's a lifestyle person, nobody fucking cares if you have abs. (laughs) Like nobody does. And then you'll hear the things, you know, from your clients who are like, well, she has a six pack and it's like, well, she's not you. She's, we don't know her story and you don't know what she's doing. Yeah. And there are just some people who just are like genetically, they can just walk around with a six pack. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah, she's not you. I don't know what else to say. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh yeah. And at that point I have to tell clients, you know, like you got to make sure that you stay in your lane. Like comparison Mm -hmm. is the thief of joy. You have to stay in your lane, keep Mm -hmm. your eyes on your own paper and you know, focus on what you want unless, I mean, of course, unless it's like, I, I do want abs because X, Y, Z. It's like, oh, I am totally fine never having abs again. <laughs> yeah, It's hard, but yeah, if people want to do that, it, like you said, it's like, okay, here's like, you have to realize is these are the sacrifices you'll have to make to get to this point where you can see your abs. Once we get there, you got to realize it's probably not going to stay for very long. It's going to be a moment in time. So maybe you want to, and this is what I'll tell my clients too. I'm like, maybe you want to schedule a photo shoot or just make your husband or your boyfriend or whatever, like take some pictures of you, take lots of pictures, like take lots of pictures (laughs) and then we'll, we'll come back to whatever is your new, you know, your new reality, because, you know, over time you should be making progressions with your physique. And as we mentioned at like the very beginning, like how much muscle can you expect it to realistically put on? You don't really know. But so it's like, you should be seeing changes over time. And some, for some people, it comes a little faster. For some people, it's a little slower, but if you want those apps and that's not something you already are showing, it will be, it'll be a short moment in time if you want to do it. And there will be some sacrifices you got to make. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, thank you so much, Val, for hanging out with us. I loved this conversation. I love your content on Instagram. Um, Tell people where they can find you, follow you, work with you. Thank you. Thank you. So Instagram is Valerie Lasvardi. And my website is vavumvscfit.com. And you can check me out there. And I love when people send me DMs. I'm all about those little conversations I get to have with people. So always feel free to reach out, send me any questions or feedback. I love it. Awesome. I'll link your stuff in the show notes too. So people can just scroll down and click away. Well, thank you again, Val. And to everybody else, have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next time. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>